Kia ora and welcome to the Authentic Connection podcast. My name is Laura and I am so, so glad you have found your way here. In each inspiring conversation, we'll dive into what it takes to slow down in this fast-paced, distracted world and how to find true, deep, authentic connection. The Authentic Connection podcast is a place to share stories, wisdom and learn from each other's journeys. Today, I am so stoked to bring you a conversation with Faye Lawand. Faye and I met a couple of years ago, actually. She took the yin yoga and the yoga nidra modules for my yoga teacher training I did. So I am familiar with Faye and her work. Today we dove into something that Faye is really passionate about and I relate to, uh, which is stress and the massive impact that stress has on the body. Faye calls herself an internal conflict resolution expert and stress elimination specialist. Don't worry, we go into what internal conflict actually is and it's to do with stress, as you can imagine. As an ex-busy person myself, I certainly used to live my life with busy as a pretty proud, loud badge on my chest. I've pretty much successfully managed to slow down, but it's always good to get reminders about how important it is to get on top of our stress levels. So with Faye, we chat about her journey, of course, very important to hear about somebody's past, I think. Faye has a pretty incredible journey to tell us about. She actually came from the Middle East and moved across to North America in her late teens and then came to New Zealand a little later. But I'll let Faye tell you about that. Um, We touch on her health journey that goes with that as well. We talk about why why we as humans generally have to hit rock bottom in order to actually make those necessary life changes that might be required to get on top of our stress and our health. We talk about what internal conflict is, why the subconscious is super important for healing our body's response to stress, um, why we're so attached to our busyness as a status. We talk about connecting authentically to ourselves, connecting really authentically to each other, of course. And Faye finishes up telling us about a very important relationship in her life. Thanks so much for tuning in today and as always please share this conversation with anybody in your life who you think will really resonate or find this information useful. Faye has a really incredible way of articulating a lot of the things that we all as humans experience and feel on a day-to-day basis so I think I really like Faye's really clear and succinct and articulate way that she describes some of the concepts that we talk about today. Yeah, let's get into it, team. Um, without further ado, here's my conversation with Faye Lawrence. Hi, Faye. It is lovely to be chatting with you today. I'm pretty excited to dive into some of the things that you've been working on. Likewise, Laura. It's uh, it's wonderful to connect uh, virtually and live and in person after a lot of back and forth via email. <laughs> yeah, it's great that we can do this online so easily, really. 
thought I would start with your personal journey, I suppose. I know stress has featured in your journey, so I wanted you to speak on that and tell us a little bit about how stress impacted you and what you've done to embrace it or get on top of it. Yes, uh, (laughs) I can speak so long. It definitely has been a central theme in my life. I think to understand the role that stress has played in my life, we probably need to go back to the very beginning. My life journey started in the Middle East. And as we know, the Middle East is such a troubled, conflicted, chaotic part of the world. And I was born in Lebanon right before the start of the Lebanese Civil War in the 70s. And you're probably too young to know or to recall, but that war spanned about 17 years and it claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. And then it displaced millions of people and millions of families. Our family was part of the statistics that was displaced. So we left the area of conflict, the zone of conflict, early on in the piece, Laura. But what I didn't know until my life started unraveling around me is that I carried those internal patterns of conflict with me as we moved from country to country, one part of the world to the other. Even though there was an understanding and the narrative in the home and in the family at wide was we're fortunate that we've left the war and we're fortunate that we're away from conflict and stress. There was a deep disconnect. An unregulated stress response manifests in a disconnect between knowing that our outer experience and our outer reality is good, but not feeling it on the inside. So for the first 40 years of my life, there was an understanding that things were good and we're lucky but I didn't feel it on the inside, Laura. Anyway, forward to the time that I was 40, everything in my life started to unravel. My career, my personal relationships, romantic relationships, and eventually, like like the way these things uh, work and develop, my health started suffering dramatically and significantly. And I think had my health not suffered and declined to the extent that it had, I probably wouldn't have heeded the warning signs because you know that life is always speaking to us, isn't it? There's these things in our lives that aren't on course. We want them, but why can't we make them happen? And that's just an internal signal that something is not right and something needs to be looked at. But of course, I didn't know that back then and I didn't heed the advice of the internal guidance until my health really declined. And I'm talking of my life, Laura, like all areas. I started slow and steady, I would say, with pounding headaches, terrible digestion, all sorts of food allergies and bloating, really, really, really bad adult acne, chronic pain. And even with all of that, I did not heed the signs. I still kept going and was looking for solutions to mask the symptoms. You know, so let's mask the symptoms with, um, you know, using stuff for topical solutions for the acne and let's use stuff to mask the bloating and let's take, you know, popping headache pills. You know, I was I was uh, downing a bottle of Advil a week, like just to get me through the week and asking the symptoms. Right. But eventually you're right. If you're not taking heed of internal conflicts that are very stressful on the inside, the, the internal body and your wisdom is going to amp up the volume. So eventually I developed, uh, among other things, PTSD, chronic anxiety, chronic depression, and I still didn't take the advice 
that I didn't still get to take the signs until eventually I manifested precancerous cells. And that was the biggest wake up call of all. And it's like, okay, if I haven't taken the call seriously enough with all of the fragmented parts of my life and all of the other health issues, well, this is now veering on life and death, right? I just turned 40. It's a milestone birthday. It's a milestone time in, you know, in a person's life. So I can either continue on the path that I had been on, which obviously was not rendering the results that I wanted for myself and for my life, or, or I can change course and look to something different. I didn't know what that something, I knew what that something different, what I wanted it to be, but I didn't have an immediate pathway to get there because back then the solutions were uh, surgery, uh, medication and talk therapy. Well, you know, none of these really were viable solutions for me. Eventually I did have a surgery because it made sense, you know, I, I went I went to talk therapy. I think I went to two or three sessions of talk therapy. And Laura, I actually felt worse leaving than when I had walked in because here we were, excuse me, going round and round and round and round in circles, talking about how bad my life was and how bad I feel about my life and how bad I feel about myself. And even though I knew nothing about the mind-body connection and about the world of wellness and personal development, I knew nothing back then. I knew intuitively, instinctively, that that solution, that pathway was not right for me. Then that left me with <laughs> trying to find a solution that felt right. And that started the inquiry. It started, so it's been a 14-year inquiry into uh, what does it take to be resilient, but truly resilient, truly well, and truly healthy with a capital H, not just physically healthy. And, you know, it was very much, uh, it was very much experimentation, learning, applying, observing, uh, optimizing, and then maybe moving on to something else, process of elimination. Until eventually, you know, I found the practices and the modalities and the approaches that really were transformative and that really, really shifted all aspects of my life. And I'll tell you in a moment where I am now in my, in my life and in my health. And then from there came this work that I now do, you know, so I drew all of that and coded it all into a proprietary system. It takes people from states of desperation and depression and stress and chaos to states of wellness, resilience, calm and happiness. Yeah, so it's been quite the journey. It's been really quite the journey. And I, I can easily say now, so I just turned 50 last year. And I feel actually healthier at 50, happier, more purposeful and calmer than I ever have been in my entire life. And I attribute that to the internal practices, the internal practices that my inquiry has led me to proprietize, systemize into, into an approach that works. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that is an incredible journey. So thank you for, for sharing. Yeah. It's interesting that we wait until we really, really hit that rock bottom before we do anything. I wonder if you have any thoughts about why, why society or why we, why we wait so long to, to make changes. A few things come to mind, Laura. I think, first of all, we're not really, um, at least me or my generation, you know, we weren't really taught to 
consider ourselves, you know, and understand ourselves and to look at ourselves and to make sense of our emotions and to make sense of our thoughts and to pay attention to our body. We, I, I never, ever, ever got that message until about 40 that actually you can be a therapist, that you can actually be your own wellness practitioner, that you can be your own, your own best friend, and that you can actually be your own, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, your own, your own medical practitioner. I never got that message. I never got that message. On the contrary, I got the message of when something breaks down, you know, you go out and you look for a fix and you, you revere so much the people that provide the fixes, the doctors and the surgeons and the pharmaceutical companies and the pharmacists. And so very much it was about Band-Aid solutions, very, very much, and about just moving on. And just being grateful for the parts in your life that are working. And yes, many parts of my life were working, but many parts and the most significant parts were not working. So I think that's an area. I think another area as well, we value or maybe overvalue our thinking minds and our conscious faculties over our feeling selves and over our, our intuitive mind. And we end up talking ourselves out of what we sense is not right or right for us. I know maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself here by bringing this up, but one of the most important relationships to foster in life is the relationship with yourself. And as you do that, you're able to gauge what's working and what's not working. And you can intuitively start sensing in what you need instead of thinking your way to a solution. Because I don't know about you, Laura, but most yeah. of the people that come to see me, all of them have failed miserably at thinking their way out of their problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, that really resonates. We're taught to think and we're not taught to feel. And I think, you know, with the access to all the information and knowledge now at our fingertips, None of us really is lacking in knowledge or information. Really, none of us. Yet, we all know what we need to do. This is I hear this all the time in my practice from my class. I know what I need to do, but I can't seem to do it, right? And that's where you can't think your way out of depression. You can't think your way out of chronic stress. You can't think your way out of chronic insomnia. You can't think your way out of chronic pain because those imbalances actually don't come from the thinking mind. They come from a different part of the mind that has not been looked at and has not been cared for. Yeah, no, that's very true. Thank you for articulating it so well. There was something on, on your website about dealing with internal conflicts. I was wondering what you sort of mean by an internal conflict. Yes, yes. I get asked that question a lot. Thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> so basically an internal conflict is the internal limitations, the things on the inside that keep us from being, feeling, doing, or having what we want. And so internal conflicts can be things like negative emotions or unresolved events from the past or uh, memories, traumatic memories from, from a previous episode in your life or limiting, limiting decisions or thought patterns that are outdated, uh, negative self-talk, values that are not aligned, all of these, all of these that are happening on the inside, we're not conscious of them. They're not obvious. These are, these are the internal states that can block us from having, being, feeling, or doing what we want. 
And those are the internal conflicts that need to be resolved and that need to be addressed if we want to move forward and align what we, what we want with what we're getting in our lives. And usually, usually when we're not getting something in our life that we want, it's usually because of an internal conflict that's been unresolved. The other thought that always comes to me, or I hear my friends saying this, or I've heard myself say this in the past, is, isn't like a really busy, demanding life a sign of success? Why, what, wouldn't, why would we want to be less busy or why would we want to be less stressed? But what can we get out of dealing with our stress? So one of the things actually that I work uh, on with the clients that I coach and that I mentor is to be mindful of the language choices that we use. Now, language choices are very subconscious, right? They're very, very subconscious. But the language choices that we use or that we don't use reflect and mirror internal mental mechanisms that are going on, right? Because the words that we use actually create pictures in our brain. And those pictures in the brain create a certain physiological response, And the physiological responses then have an emotion attached to them. And then the emotions attached to them then create like an internal dialogue. And that internal dialogue then, you know, impacts choices that we make or don't make. So can you see how it all really starts from within? It really all starts from within. I I know that that's said a lot, but coming back to the, the, the choice of language bit that we're talking about Minding the language is such a critical part of moving away from those heightened states of stress and those heightened states of of agitation and overwhelm. Because Lord, we use words like I'm busy or I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed. Immediately, there's pictures created in the brain. And then that that we talked about is automatically unleashed. And the thing is, if we do that once or once in a while, that's not problematic, right? But where does the problem occur? When we're chronically doing this, we're not aware of it, and we don't know how to get out of it. And so one of the uh, tips that I can provide your listeners with right now is if you're feeling that you are in a place of stress, overwhelm, or busyness, Just take a step back and notice what words do you use to describe how you're feeling? Because even chances are when we say we're stressed, that's not really what we're feeling, right? There is something underneath underneath the stress that either we're not looking at or we don't have the tools to look at. And it's just more acceptable to say I'm stressed than maybe to say I'm disappointed or I'm hurt or I'm angry. And so we end up overusing words that A, aren't really representative of what's going on on the inside, but also these words end up creating even more conflict and more stress in our lives, just by the virtue of the way the subconscious mechanisms of our mind work. Oh, yeah, I think language, it's something that I've been personally really interested in, actually, the words that we use. It's massive. It's it really dictates, yeah, as you said, how, how you think and how you react to situations. 
and then how other people respond to you as well. Mm-hmm. One, one of the words that I've totally deleted from my uh, vocabulary is the word busy. I do not use the word busy anymore. Yes, my time is full. Uh, yes, I have a lot going on. But th- that's a very different energy. When I say I have a lot going on, it's a very different energy than saying I'm busy. Puts me in a totally different mind space of choice and empowerment that I'm choosing where I'm focusing, focusing my time and my day and my, my, my energetic resources, as opposed to saying I'm busy where I'm at default. Mm, yeah, it takes the power away, doesn't it? Totally, 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 totally. And I don't know about you, but you know, one of the things I've noticed since I started, you know, deleting that word and substituting it with something else is how many times people use the word busy and and the assumptions that people make that you're also busy, that people don't even listen to how you are anymore. I got that the other day. How are you? You you must be really busy. I said, no, actually I'm not. And the person stunned, they're like, really? But I see on social media, you're doing this, that, and the other. I said, yes, I am. My time is very full. I have a lot going on and I'm not busy. Yeah. Yeah, I I had the exact same thing where, especially at Christmas time, people, they greet you like, oh, how are you doing? Are you busy? As in, if you're not busy, you must be, it must be bad. It must be a bad situation for you. You know, like anything that's not busy is not good. It's crazy. It's not good. And then with that though, with that also, and I do feel it's, I feel the culture here is a little bit different than cultures in other places that I've lived and worked around the world. Status attached to being busy and being tired. As I said, I feel here in New Zealand, the work-life balance is so much better than in most parts of the world. I started off my career in North America and I started off my burnout in North America. I now know, looking back on it, I now know that a big part of it was that I wasn't taking the time out to actually rest, recuperate and recharge after you know busy days, busy weeks, big deadlines. There's this uh, expectation that the longer you work, the more professional you are and the more committed you are to your career. And the more you skimp on your sleep and the more you skimp on your lunch breaks, the more committed you are and the more you're going to be fast-tracked in your career. And of course, again, this is very subconscious. Nobody actually tells you that in a job interview, that in order you know, to do really well in this organization, you need to skimp on your sleep and you need to stay here late and you need to not go for lunch breaks. But it's an unspoken message and an unspoken energy in the culture. And then it keeps seeping into your mind and into your consciousness. And I realized now looking back that there's also a certain status attached to being busy being tired, being underslept, and compromising on your health and on your well-being. That's so interesting. It's definitely, there's definitely a bit of it in New Zealand, I know, but it's probably, as you, as you say, not as bad. As one of the questions I got a lot from people when I said I was going on a van trip was, well, what are you going to do? And I, it wasn't even something I'd thought about. I was like, I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to explore the country. I'm just going to like, there's going to be plenty to do, but it's not going to be busy. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to be, and you probably, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming here, I'm making assumptions here, but you must be experiencing so much joy and happiness and clarity and creativity that probably you weren't experiencing when you were in the routine of your daily life here. Totally. Yeah. It's a classic. They always say you get your best ideas when you're in the shower or when you're doing something that your mind isn't like 
physically taken up with. So yeah, we've been doing lots of surfing and lots of rock climbing and lots of walks. So there's plenty of time for your mind to just wander and how glorious, Laura, how glorious. That's amazing. I did one of those actually. So, you know, when I told you on my life fell apart and my health fell apart at the age of 40, my comeback plan actually was a year off. I took a sabbatical for a year and I went away and I left it all behind. And it's amazing, amazingly transformative when you're able to give yourself the gift of time, you know, and the gift of being with yourself. Yeah, it's incredible. So I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the practices that you do personally, if you don't mind sharing with us. What's a practice that you're, you're sort of go to, I suppose, when you are feeling a little bit disconnected or a little bit stressed? Yes. So that's also, I do that preventative, but mm. also, uh, what's the, what's the opposite Reactive. of preventative? Reactive. Thank you very much. So when I'm feeling, you know, the stresses or whatever I do it, but I also do it on a daily basis in order to continue filling my cup so that I'm more able to cope with whatever comes up during the day and during life. And that's yoga nidra. Particularly the Iris Yoga Nidra. I don't know if you're familiar with the Iris Yoga Nidra. Are you? Have you tried I've it? I've just before? realized that's where we've met. That's where we've met before, Faye. You came and did training with Nikki Ralston when I did my teacher yes. training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. The teacher training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I thought it might have been something like that, but I couldn't quite work it out until you said yoga nidra, and I was like, ah, oh, that's where it is. <laughs> yes, that is right. Yes, 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 yes. And I recognized the name. I knew that I knew the name somewhere, but I wasn't sure if I knew the name like from social media or you know through a live in-person connection. Oh, that's it's lovely to reconnect this way. It's really, really good to reconnect this way. Yeah. So you're familiar with the Iris Yoga Nidra? One of the reasons that I love Iris Yoga Nidra, and it's actually central in my, in my coaching practice as well, it is a style of um, meditation and a style of uh, relaxation that is well suited to modern day living and modern day challenges. And so it was, it was developed to deal with PTSD and developed to really support nervous system dysregulation that comes from unregulated stress responses. That's why, you know, because there is a history of unregulated stress responses within my nervous system. For me, I find that the most balancing, grounding way to, you know, keep my cup full. Iris Yoga Nidra is a non-negotiable in my life, non-negotiable daily practice in my life. The other uh, non-negotiable in my life is uh, digital media mindfulness. I am freak about this actually Laura uh, I am so disciplined around monitoring my use of social media particularly when I'm in bed particularly in those moments right before sleep and right upon awakening which as we know our, our mind is so receptive then to the thoughts and the, and the emotions that we put in there if the last moments before sleep and the moments upon arising we're scrolling or we're reaching for our phone. Well, what we're doing is immediately, immediately we are in reactive mode. Immediately we are consuming the thoughts, the op opinions, the attitudes and the emotions of other people around us. And, and, and what we're doing is we're also taking away from ourselves the potential to use that time to seed the mind with positive things 
and things that we want for ourselves and for our lives. Because those moments right before sleep and right upon awakening, the mind is so suggestible. You're actually in your subconscious mind then. And that's an opportune time to connect to your intentions and to have positive visualizations about your life and the way you want your day to go and what, and what you want to have happen next and to get clarity about something you're trying to resolve for yourself. It's a non-negotiable practice in my life using those times, those receptive times of my brain to a very uh, empowering, like self-serving end. And then, of course, it's moving the body regularly. That's so important because as we know, you know, like the mind lives in the body. And when there's tensions in the mind, then we're going to feel the tensions in the body. And it's really, really important to move the body because also the body is telling you what you need to be looking at, right? And it's not working because the mind is always speaking through the body, but it, the mind is always speaking. It just doesn't use words and language. Like the mind can't say, hey, you know, you need to drink more water or hey, you know, you need to get to sleep earlier or hey, you need to resolve that grievance that you have with your neighbor or hey, this job is not right for you, but it will tell you through the body. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're moving it, uh, you're a little bit more in tune with those sensations. And yes, yeah. yes, for sure. Cool. Cool. I really like hearing about how people find really authentic connection with others. The wording connection versus conversation. So maybe I should use the word conversation instead because we get connection all of the time, yeah. whether it's a like or a comment or a you know thing on social media. True authentic conversation or true authentic connection with other people is actually quite hard to get. What do you do to, to find it with other people in, in your life? <laughs> again it comes from the inside Laura being okay with being authentic with with oneself and as I progress in my journey in my life life feels different life looks different and I relate to life very differently than I did in my 30s or my 20s or even in my 40s I I feel like now more and more that there's less and less separation between us, you know, I think the past year, the COVID year, has really highlighted how we really are, really, we're all the same and we're all interconnected. The past mm -hmm. year has highlighted how what happens in one part of the world impacts every other part of the world. That what we were feeling in New Zealand, people were feeling in Africa and in South America. And that's because we all have this human journey and this human experience that may look different on the outside, but on the inside, the ingredients are very much the same. This has really helped me bring down the barriers even more with myself and with what I am sharing authentically with others. It goes back, again, it goes back to being authentic with myself. I find the more authentic I am with myself, the less I lie to myself and the more honest I am with myself, the more I'm able to have authentic relationships with others. And part of that means when I'm with myself actually acknowledging, you know, the, you know, the imperfections, the things that are working, the work ons, you know, so on and so forth, and being okay actually sharing them with those around me. And as I share those with those around me in a very open way, because of this understanding 
that the ingredients of our human experience are all the same, there's a relation there. Because people, we all feel the same things. We have similar fears. And there's, there's an ability then to connect around that and to have honest conversations around that. I hope that's answered your question. So more and more, you know, as I'm going through these big life changes now with how do I want to age and aging gracefully and going through menopause and dealing, you know, with aging, aging parents and aging in-laws, I am very open about sharing this very openly around the, the struggles, the successes, because there's no barriers within myself. There's an understanding that there's no barriers with other people because we are all as women, we're all going to go through menopause. As human beings, we're all going to age. As human beings, we're all going to have aging parents and aging in-laws. They're very much on my mind right now. And I don't feel the need to conceal them from the world. I don't feel that need because I feel that these are concerns that we all share by virtue of being human and having this human experience. Yeah, just simply having shared experience with people will naturally connect them so yeah no that totally makes sense and that definitely answers the question today thank you so my next question is really about connection to to your environment to nature to the earth you know we've got this we live on this beautiful country Aotearoa what's your favorite way to connect really authentically to to nature being in there being in there as regularly as possible With the access, the easy access to public green spaces here in this gorgeous, gorgeous country that we're so fortunate Mm -hmm. to call home. And for me, coming from environments where that's not always been the case, you know, until we immigrated to North America when I was 18, we lived like many parts of the world, you know, like most populations in the world, they live in buildings, tall buildings and crowded urban settings. That was my early experience in life. And so, yes, then I did live in Canada, but, you know, Canada, urban living in Canada isn't like urban living in New Zealand. I don't think there's anywhere urban living like in New Zealand. And so because there's that basis of comparison from what I've lived to where I, where I now am, even if it's like five minutes, you know, like going outside and like looking, like really looking looking at the trees and the colors of the trees and the, and the flowers and listening to the birds and smelling the smell of the earth and, you know, feeling, feeling the wind and the elements on my skin, like really grounding in nature that way. Even if it's five minutes, I do that as often as possible. Sometimes it's close to like five times a week. Every weekend, my husband and I like go out and explore a new walking trail with a lovely cafe nearby. And that's become our weekend ritual, which I look forward to with so much gusto during the week. And then my next question is, I again, along with my many obsessions, which I've managed to tie into this podcast, it's really just an excuse to ask people about things. <laughs> I am really interested in how long-term relationships work in people's life. And so I, I wondered if there was a particular long-term relationship in your life. I think you probably uh, mentioned it maybe earlier already. This, this can be interpreted however you like. But just a long-term relationship, which has helped you to evolve, helped you to change in some way. The most important relationship of all, the relationship with self. And I know looking back, well, looking to where I am right now, I'm in a very happy, fulfilling marriage with the man of my dreams. 
I have relationships that really work in my life, you know, not just family relationships, friendships, working relationships that really, really work in my, in my life. And as I look back to, you know, the first 40 years, well, those family relationships were the same family relationships. Those, I mean, friends were always there, but what's different is the relationship with myself. As the relationship with myself improved and strengthened, the relationships with those around me also started to change and to improve to something that feels a lot more joyful, a lot more peaceful, and a lot more resourceful and a lot more empowering. And I cannot stress enough the importance of developing a relationship with ourselves. Because, you know, as you start to develop a relationship with yourself, as you start to get to, get to know yourself, or as you get, start to get to know anything, it starts to become familiar. When something is familiar, it's no longer fearful. And when, some, when you're, there's no fear around it, then there's no insecurity. The, the internal conflicts during the, those first 40 years was rampant insecurity, rampant people-pleasing, and rampant uh, comparisonitis, rampant, and rampant self-doubt. Yes. Those are my clients. They all come to me with those issues. And actually what I tell them, I don't provide, I don't provide a direct solution for those. I put them in right relationship with themselves. And as, they, as, as you develop the right relationship with yourself, insecurities disappear because you cannot be afraid and insecure of what you know. You can. The brain, the brain does not function that way. And it really is as simple as that. And that is the long-term relationship that I'm most proud of in my life because it started the first 40 years of that long-term relationship were, were, were horrible. They were actually self-abusive. It was a self-abusive relationship for the first 40 years of my life. So you can only imagine what the other relationships in my life would have looked like. Yeah. How could they look any different, Laura? How could they? No, it's impossible if you can't relate to yourself. No, and if you're, if you're abusing yourself and putting yourself down and not liking yourself and talking yourself down, how could you be in right relationship with anyone else? Mm. But as, as that relationship healed and as I started applying uh, what we know works, treating yourself, you know, like your own best friend, and I started appreciating myself and talking to myself nicely and doing nice things for myself and taking myself out on dates mm. and giving myself lovely things and writing myself lovely messages and doing nice things for myself. Wow. Things change very quickly. Mm. Gorgeous man that I'm married to right now, who's the love of my life. He actually was in my life those first 40 years with the self-abusive relationship, but that relationship couldn't have worked with him. Yeah, it couldn't, Laura. Once that cleared and healed, it's amazing how he came back into my life. It's actually quite. It's so amazing how how that then just evolved so spontaneously. Yeah, yeah. It's like the universe is waiting for the right timing, isn't it? It's just waiting for you to be ready. It's waiting for the timing to be ready for the other person or for whoever else is involved. Yeah. I really, I've probably finished up there, but I just wanted to check whether there was anything you wish I'd asked you about or anything else you wanted to mention for our listeners today. 
No, I think I think you covered it. I'm just so curious about your journey here on the road. And I can't wait for like, I don't know, I feel like there's a documentary coming up or I feel like there's going to be some kind of something to culminate this journey. And I can't wait for that because I'm sure that there's so much internal revelations that are coming to you. And I'd love to hear about it sometime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think sharing journeys and sharing stories just in general is an incredible way to learn. We're brought up and being taught that we need to learn from books. We need to learn from academics. Yes. We need to do equations. We need to do yes. numbers. But I just, I just love learning from talking to people and, and just sitting in stillness a bit as well. So no, I think, think you're really right there. And being out in nature, you learn so much that way. Well, lovely. Thank you so much for your time, Faye. Thank you, Laura. It was lovely to reconnect with you. Enjoy the rest of your journey. And I look forward to reconnecting some way, somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, we'll be back in Auckland up and around sometime. So I'll definitely touch base. Sounds great, Laura. Sounds great. Thank you for your time. It was really, really great to chat. Laura here. Thanks so much, guys, for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed today's Authentic Connection podcast. If you would like to find out more about what Faye's up to and her services and offerings, check out her website. It's faylawand.com. So that's F-A-Y-E-L-A-W-A-N-D.com. And she's also on Instagram at Faye Lloyd. And if you're not already following me on Instagram and would like to see what I'm up to, I am Wild Wellness by Laura on Instagram. And so that's where I put all the info about the podcast as well. So I'd love to see you there. Instagram's where I like to share and where I like to show up. So hope to see you there. Thank you so much again. I'll talk to you all very soon. Okay, bye.